Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days when a spring chicken was a dollar a pound and our host had a full head of hair. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, reminding you, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So there you go. If you're not, turn it off right now. All right, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about uh, uh, paper liners inside the tins. All right, that's from a viewer, uh, a viewer, a listener question. No viewers here. Yeah, no, no viewers. <laughs> uh, it'd be ugly if you had to look at it anyway. And then my guest is uh, pipe maker Paul Lucas, who makes PAW pipes in uh, in England. And it was fun talking to him. Music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews. We got a couple new ones in. We'll read those in the mailbag, but those are much, much, much appreciated. Greatly appreciated. So go on to Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a rating and review. That would be absolutely wonderful. And uh, keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show out wherever you are. Share it in your uh, Facebook groups, on your forums, and uh, wherever wherever pipe smokers are. Keep sharing that out. Much appreciated. And as I sit here and record this, it is eight days, eight days until I head off to the uh, Chicago Pipe Show at the Lincolnshire Marriott and uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of friends there. Looking forward to being back at that Marriott. Fun, uh, fun little property. Got some quirks to it, but uh, yeah, fun place. So looking forward to that. Hey, listen, if you see me, come up, say hi, introduce yourself, please. Love to love to meet you, and uh, you know, if you're traveling by yourself, like I said, come say hi and hang out. You know, it's just a just a fun day, and uh, a fun four days for me. And yes, we will have a table for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Dave and I will be uh, working the table there. So if you got any questions about the pipe about the pipe show in Vegas, come by and see me. Um, if you have any questions and you want to answer them before that. Go on to the website, VegasPipeShow.com. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. 
Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so here's the email that I got from uh, Ben in Canada, who I got to meet Ben and his uh, much, much more lovely, better half at the uh, Country Squire event. Uh, he writes, hi, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you in person at the Country Squire. Experiencing an event like that in person and meeting other pipe smokers for the first time truly opened my eyes to the wonderful community and has me looking forward to attending the Chicago Pipe Show. Uh, my fiance Kayla was taking pictures at the event and she took this great shot of you. So I've attached it for you to enjoy, assuming you haven't already seen it on Facebook yeah, and, and her lens must be really durable because I didn't break it. Um, anyway, his question is, uh, my question for you regards the white paper liner that's found in tins of tobacco. Seeing the paper yellow with age would mean that oils, moisture is being absorbed over time. So does that mean that while the tobacco ages, we're losing out on something? Also, is there any advantage to taking tobacco out of the tin and aging it in a mason jar but keeping it in the paper? Hope to see you at Chicago, and until then, I hope you have a great day. Kind regards, Ben. All right, Ben. Yeah, you'll see me at Chicago. Um, all right, so here's the, uh, the, the liners inside the tins. And to the best of my knowledge and doing some research, there's three basic kinds right now. Uh, there's the paper ones that look like coffee filters. Uh, there's foil ones that make it look a little fancier and they kind of unfold. And then there is um, uh, cardboard or like corrugated uh, paper liners that are stiffer, more like the ones Cornell and Deal use. So the primary purpose in the beginning of it, it was the paper liner. And that is, uh, that was started, you know, over in Europe. And the paper liner is to do two things primarily. Thing number one is to keep the, it's to keep the tobacco from coming directly into contact with the metal tins because those tins used to be all metal. And the second thing that it does is it also provides you a, uh, a, a spill-proof way. So when you open up that paper liner and you expand the coffee lid, uh, it gives you a bigger surface. So when you're loading your bowl over it, any sprinkles might fall back right into that. So that is actually more beneficial for me when I'm dealing with tobacco, because if you're, you know, I'll, I'll use my Escudo, for example, if I'm rubbing out some Escudo, which comes with a paper liner, uh, you open that up all the way and then whatever little rub outs fall out of your hand and the little pieces that fall out, well, they're going to get caught over that much larger surface area of that bigger expanded liner. Um, so you've got that. The foil lining that I know like McBaron uses, uh, that is put in there to do the same thing. One, to keep it away from the, uh, keep it away from the metal. But at the same time, it also adds a level of elegance. And because it's foil, it does add a little bit more of a moisture seal, although, you know, not much because you're already dealing with a sealed tin. Uh, and then when you come to Cornell and deal, and this is the question that I'm going to save and ask for Jeremy Reeves when, uh, in one of the, uh, 
ask the blender questions. But I would also venture to guess that when you're dealing with a flake tobacco, any flake tobacco that's in those paper liners or in the foil liners or in the card, you know, the, the corrugated, uh, like Cornell and deal uses, uh, it, you know, again, it helps keep it away from the tin, but it also will help, uh, It'll help flake tobaccos or plugs. It'll give them a little cushioning from when they're bouncing around in the tin. So it will help the flakes stay together. Uh, and again, it also adds another level of elegance when you go in and you open up all that stuff. And then you've got that little expanded surface. Uh, but you really don't want, um, you don't want your tobacco coming into contact with the metal. Because it could, you know, I, I guess you could get some taste to it. Now. So going back to what Ben said about should I take it out and age it in a mason jar, um, I say no because I don't do that. I, I say no because uh, those tins, you know, over years and years and years have stood up and they've stood the test of time and it continues the aging. I love when I open up a tin of tobacco and I see that stained and darkened uh paper, you know, paper coffee filter liner. I absolutely love that. That means that I'm, you know, it just makes me salivate. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like, pre, you know, when somebody brings out a big plate of food and you get that first look at it and the smell. Well, I love to see that staining on there. Um, if the, uh, if the tobacco has been aging in something like that for three to five years and I don't see a lot of staining, I'm starting to get a little worried at that point. But remember, the moisture's not going anywhere because it's in a sealed tin, so it's just kind of staged in there. Um, if you see a tin that is not lined, uh, in particular, some of the German manufacturers do not put anything in there, and it's not lined, I would be a little worried then if you're going to do any long-term five-year type aging. So if you look at some of the Rattray's blends, I'd be a little bit worried about those because... Uh, that's just the metal lining and the and and the seal. You know, there's a seam in there that's sealed, so I'd be worried about that. Uh, in the case of like McClellan and Cornell and Deal, uh, they use all food grade cans, so you really don't have to worry about that there. But uh, if you were doing, if it's a pouch product, yeah, get it out of the pouch, put it in a jar. All right, so hope that uh, hope that explains it. Uh, the uh, the paper coffee filter, absolutely, absolutely great for uh, you know making the tin a little more functional and uh, helping the tobacco stay there. All right, comments, questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my discussion with Paul Lucas. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Arcabellano red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. 
We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from across the pond, the old country, is uh, Paul Lucas, the maker of P-A-W or Paw Pipes. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you about the name, but Paul, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hi, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's get to know you first. Where did you grow up? Uh What did you want to be when you grew up? Have you grown up? (laughs) Have I grown up? Not really, no. Um, I'm uh, currently living in Helsham, which is the south, well, sort of near Brighton on the south coast of England. And I was born about two miles down the road from where I'm living now. So uh, well-traveled, well-traveled. I, I see, yeah. You, you've stayed, you, you branched out, <laughs> you, you moved over the fence, over the hedge line and up the road a bit. Yep, just about. Just about. It's it's a difficult place to leave. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, so pipe making was not your first dream of a job, was it? Uh, no, no. I uh, hadn't considered that at all. Although my dad did smoke a pipe when I was a little boy, so uh, you know, I did know about pipes and would occasionally pick his uh, pipe up and sort of pretend to smoke it, but it tasted foul. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what kind of pipes he smoked or what, or what tobaccos he smoked? He, he had, well, I can't remember the, the tobacco, but uh, I remember he had a falcon pipe and he had, uh, to my mind, I would say now it was a, a little apple-shaped pipe, but uh, probably just, um, you know, basket pipe type of thing, nothing special. And he probably only had one pipe at a time, and when that one broke, it was off to the tobacconist to buy a new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not like today, not like a pipe for every day of the week or anything like that. No. <laughs> um, no. So what was, what, was your, uh, what was your first career before pipe making? Um, I, was, I worked in a skate park. I was a skateboarder. Whoa. <laughs> um, when I left school, um, but uh, have had quite a few different jobs from um, factory work to uh, nursing assistants to, um, well, the last one that I left to become a pipe maker was electronics assembly, really, making LED lighting. I want to go back to the skateboarding. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, skateboarding. I would say it changed my life. I was a very, very quiet, uh, withdrawn uh, little boy. And then uh, skateboarding, what was it? It must have been 75, going into 76, got into skateboarding and um, just became obsessed with it and suddenly sort of came out of the woodwork and just uh, it changed my life, really. So that was right about when uh, sidewalk surfing or skateboarding really became popular in the United States, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah it all sort of took off around that sort of time. I think it had been around for a few years, but uh, it was very sort of underground. Uh, people making up their own skateboards with old uh, sort of um, roller blades or roller boots or whatever. You, roller skates back in those days, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah, wow. But, uh, All right, did you did you uh, 
uh, any famous injuries from uh, from the time on the skateboards? <laughs> no, not really. No, no real big injuries. But um, it was a lot of fun, and it was a, a good way to make a living for uh, for the time that it lasted. It, so, but then after that, uh, it was into warehouse work, and um, yeah, that kind of thing. Having left school with very few qualifications, indeed except to do a backflip uh, in the air and <laughs> land on your feet with a skateboard underneath. Was, that's right, yeah. Yeah, the 360s and the handstands and all that kind of stuff. All right. <laughs> so when when does pipe smoking come into your life? Oh, many, many years after the skateboarding. It was um, late November 2019, uh, wandering around the back streets of Brighton, actually, and um, I went past a tobacconist, saw the pipes in the window, and went in and just bought everything I needed. It was um, a sudden attack of nostalgia, I think, and uh, that was it, really. I went and bought this pipe, uh, suffered tongue bite for months and months after it, but <laughs> couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, and it just it became an obsession so november 2019 and then i knew i had a problem when um when would it have been it was february i think february sometime i borrowed some money to be able to buy a dirk heineman dora from alpache yeah and uh, when I got that, it was like a revelation. It was so different from the uh, factory pipes that I'd been buying. Um, I can't remember how many I bought. I was buying one pipe a week at one point, I think. <laughs> and, the, you know, realizing you have a problem when, when you're ordering tobacco all the time and ordering these pipes. But uh, the Dirk Heinemann uh, Dora opened my eyes to... Uh, just how um, exquisite handmade artisan pipes can be and how different it was from, uh, you know, the factory pipes. So, uh, that was the inspiration, really, for wanting to make my own pipe. So I want to I back up a little bit. Did you, did mm. you smoke cigarettes or any other tobacco and, before you picked no, up a pipe? No, no, never smoked a thing in my life, no. Wow. No, so I felt like quite a rebel once I started smoking a pipe. It, it felt like an act of rebellion, which was, you know, back to the skateboarding days in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, an act of nostalgic. People, it, it's, people say, why on earth would you want to do that? But uh, I just, uh, you know, it, uh, I think it's, it's like a lot of people say, it's, it's that kind of ritual and slowing down of things and calming your mind and... Uh, just yeah, it it just felt right. You you're a nostalgic rebellion, um, <laughs> ex skateboarder. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, something like that. Yeah, confused. I I would say. So what what was it that you noticed in that uh, in that Dirk Heineman pipe that really set it apart? With um. This might sound a bit funny, but it was actually the button. It was the mm -hmm. uh, the way that it just sat in, you know, I could just clench it. And it was just sort of hooked on my teeth. And because I'd, I'd had 
sort of, um, you know, the, the usual pieces and pipes, and I tried to clench them. And when I walked up the woods and they were forever falling out my mouth, I couldn't keep hold of them because they were too heavy. But this uh, Dirk Heinemann one, the, the button was so exquisite and well-made that it, it just sat in my mouth, felt so different, almost as if it wasn't there. Um, and so that's... Yeah, the, the inspiration for me wanting to make pipe, and uh, so it wasn't. It wasn't long after that that I started to uh, shop around for my first blocks of briar. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bought uh, uh, some pen blanks to be able to make stems with, and bought some files, and um, that was that. Sorry? So you, you went in like six months from buying a pipe a week to buying an artisan pipe to then wanting to make your own pipes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I, I can get a bit obsessed with things. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this, this obsession has sort of stuck. Uh, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, you yeah. you got it, you got um, it bad. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but um, it was actually my sister. My sister Jenny sort of said, "I'm going to make you a Facebook page," and she's and I said, "No, no, don't do that, don't do it," because I I'm not very good with social media. I don't really understand it that well. I'm still trying to get to grips with it, but um, she started to put some of these things on Facebook, and people became interested and. And that was that, really. It was uh, suddenly this vision of being able to give up work and be, you know, squirreled away in a little shed, whittling pipes all day and um, living the good life. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break right here. and we come back, we'll have uh, more with Paul. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line, to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Paul Lucas of PAW Pipes. Paw pipe. How do you do? You call it Paw Pipes? Paw Pipes. Yeah. All it was is um, when I was thinking about making things, I thought, well, maybe I won't want to make pipes all the time. And because I studied art, um, goodness me, when when did I do that? I don't know. Uh, later in life, I went back to college and and 
did a fine art degree. But um, so the poor actually stands for Paul's Artisan Works, just in case I wanted to diversify and do other things. Ah. But I haven't had time to do anything else. <laughs> so the uh, 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 so the pipe making has managed to keep you busy then. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Very busy. Very well. I'm very slow. So you know. I'm sure if I if I could work a lot faster, then uh, you know maybe I I wouldn't be so busy. But I'm very slow. <laughs> well, because uh, <laughs> each one I you know I haven't got templates and and stuff like that. I just uh, design each pipe from scratch to sort of match whatever block of briar I have, which takes me a little while. When you were buying pipes and buying them fast and furious were you looking at them as artwork pieces were you looking at them from an artistic um, eye the first one that i thought of as like sculptural or, or artistic was a near up i bought a little near up pipe mm -hmm. um so but really it was the it was the dirk heineman one that um kind of lit the fire as it were yeah I can see where that, with your art background, that might have said, oh, wait, <laughs> I have an idea here. I can make, uh, I, I can make uh, sculptures that I can smoke now. Well, that, exactly, exactly. That. I, I mean, I do try, I think of them as um, little works of art or little sculptures. I like to think of them as uh, little individual characters, really. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So living where you living where you do, you don't have a lot of pipe makers around you to uh, to maybe travel and work with. Uh, how did you um, How did you train no. yourself? Um, obviously, uh, like most people that sort of start making pipes, and there's quite a few people I think that uh, do it part time as a hobby. Uh, you look at YouTube and uh, look to buy materials and. Um, it was looking for stem materials that I came across Chris Kelly of Eldridge Pipes uh -huh. <laughs> um, and emailed him to ask him if he was still making his resin and he replied. And then uh, a bit further down the line, he invited me along with uh, a few other or a couple of other people to join him uh, in this little group we have um, where we... Uh, kind of encourage each other uh he chris kelly was sort of mentoring us in a way to start with but now we it's a it's just a group on messenger where we sort of say have you seen this or have you done that and how do you do this and how do you do that kind of thing so yeah so it's kind of like a uh, it's a modern pipe makers guild uh yeah a very small one yeah a very small one there aren't that many uh, pipe makers in that. Well, there's a few more now, but uh, there's Chris Asquith, of course, Aidan Hesselwood, H-Pipes England, Chris Shaw, BJV Pipes, and Wasso Briars is Chris Herriot. So well, that's, that's the main ones. All right. So what was, uh, when you when you first started, I mean, you didn't have all the tooling or all the machinery, so... Mm. I'm no. I'm assuming this became a very expensive startup hobby at the beginning. 
it did. Um, to, so to start with, I bought some, you know, some files and so it's little bits and pieces and borrowed my uh, sister's boyfriend's lathe um, to have a go at that. And then, of course, being an obsessive, just went all in. And uh, so basically, I've, I've, I was into motorbikes. I've sold all my motorbikes. I've sold the car. I live in a shed in my sister's garden, so I live very cheaply. And I've used all the money to buy all the equipment and have a little bit of a backup just in case making pipes didn't work. So I kind of went all in (laughs) and uh, just thought, at my time of life, it's my last chance to do something creative. So let's just go for it. So we need we need to make sure that uh, we need to make sure that Paul can uh, Paul can stay at this. Um, you have you you are not afraid of using color with your pipes. Uh, your shaping is I, I mean I can tell it's artistic, but talk talk me through the process of some of the colors. Where where do you get the inspiration from? How do you do it? Um. Well, uh, I suppose when I when I was at school, I, I used to sort of draw and paint, and people said, "Oh, you know, you're pretty good at art." But I never did anything with it until later in life. Uh, I met up with uh, Amanda, who was a a girlfriend at school, and we got back together when I was about forty, and she asked me if I was still painting and I said no I haven't she encouraged me to take it up again and then um, I went back to college I think I was probably 42 I went to just do a a course like an evening course or something and it turned into a uh, an art degree that's the obsessive nature coming out (laughs) so looking at art looking studying that I suppose that's where the uh, the colors and um you know, just wanting to create um, something different. Uh, I think my vision was, or my my goal was, to try and make something that people might consider uh, beautiful before I die. So <laughs> that's uh, that's what I set out to do. So hopefully, I'm I'm sort of getting there. Um, but the inspiration for colors and things um, could come from painting, come from films, come from sculpture, all over the place, really. I tend to look everywhere for inspiration. I'm, I'm looking through your gallery, which the website right. is pawpipes.com. And mm. you do have, you, you do show respect for the classical and the traditional shapes. I can, I can see the, the rooting there, but then you, you seem to like to put just a little touch of something into some. And then there are some pipes where the colors are just fantastic. And it all, it all works when I, when I'm looking at them on the photographs. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm not, so I would say Speaking of English makers, Aidan Hesselwood of H Pipes England is very much into the traditional pipe shapes and he's very, very precise. I don't think I have the discipline 
to do that. So it's kind of easier just to go my own way and see what happens uh, and use color and um, kind of aim for something. But if it doesn't quite get there, it doesn't matter because as long as it looks balanced in the end, that's the main thing. It's, it's just trying to uh, make something with some sort of character. Mm-hmm. You know, a person, pipes with personality. I think I've written that on my website somewhere. <laughs> if I can remember rightly. So it's interesting because now you, now you kind of bring up the difference between a, I, I don't want to call anybody artisan or craftsman or something, but there's an artistic, uh, there's an artistic <laughs> point of view to a pipe. And then there's also a technical point of view to a pipe. Yeah. And I and I guess it just depends on the pipe maker's personality, which way they come at it from. Um, I think so. I mean, the technical part of it really is in the uh, the drilling of the chamber and the airways and things like that, and the rest of it is what surrounds the technical part, the aesthetics. So, um, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for people who can do that traditional stuff, but that's not my kind of personality i don't think so um, it, it might it, it might irritate you if you were told to make a uh, to make a, a bent bulldog and make it perfectly proportional and just stain it black um i think i'd have a hard time doing that yeah yeah <laughs> i um it's yeah i i have a hard time sticking to uh uh, the rules or, or yeah <laughs> it's that old skate <laughs> that old skateboarder the, it's this yeah yeah uh, mm. what do you 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 also use different woods you use olive wood you use morta briar is there a difference um, to you when you're working with those it's i'm i like novelty I like to try different things. So, you know, uh, it's good to try these things. Uh, mortar can be a bit difficult to work with from time to time. but um, And olive wood, they've, they've got their own different kind of characteristics when you're working with them. But, uh, I mean, obviously you're, you're doing the same thing. It's just you might have to approach it slightly different when when you're trying to file or shape because of different grains, the briar is the kind of, um, there's no real kind of, there is grain in it, but it's not that directional, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. So the, the mortar has got a, de- a definite direction and one half, one side of the pipe might feel quite easy to shape. And then the other half of it is you're going to be going against the grain as it were. So that becomes more difficult. When you, when you're looking at a block of wood that you want to play with, are you shaping it first and then drilling afterwards? No, I'm drilling it first. I'm drilling it first. So it's a lot of the time it's trying to find a block that is going to fit what you want, where the, where the grain works. If the grain doesn't work as well as you want, then you can blast, you know, sandblast it. Or you can try and reshape the block a little bit to get it where you want before you drill it. But uh, I'm a drill first and shape around it afterwards. 
And, and then, of course, if you run into a bad spot, you can, being an artist, that's just an opportunity uh, to do something different with uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, when, when there's, when there's a, a bad block, you might start off with one shape in mind, but you sort of come out with another. But So you just have to be adaptable or be prepared to, um, you know, start again. It's a, it's like a philosophical thing. It's, I've had, I had four blocks in a row just recently that had to be abandoned, which uh, was a bit disheartening. But um, you know, fingers crossed for four that work really well <laughs> after that. Uh, how many pipes do you think you will be able to make in a year? Um, generally speaking i'm i'm probably only making about one a week uh which is you know very slow compared with most people but um i think my whole process is i can i i do one pipe at a time i don't sort of do any kind of batch processing or anything like that so it's uh, start to finish and that includes wandering up to the woods to take pictures of the pipe um edit the pictures uh being being dyslexic and a bit um i was going to be say a bit stupid i don't think i'm stupid but it takes me a long time to sort of do the whole process to do all the admin that surrounds it as well so that takes a lot more time than perhaps it does with for other people it's one of the reasons i do a podcast is because (laughs) sitting down and processing photos or having to write up a little blurb would kill me (laughs) yeah if i yeah i think in my mind i had this idyllic sort of image of just sort of whittling away at pipes and and making things all the time but there's a lot of other stuff that has to you know be done in the background yeah uh, which takes me a lot longer than it should probably so this is this leads to the other question, which is why do your pipes start out only around two hundred and seventy to three hundred pounds? They they should be um, they they should be a little more, but I won't tell you that until <laughs> until I've bought a couple. It's, <laughs> yeah, so I I do have some of the cu- my customers telling me that I should be charging more, but. <laughs> I don't, I look around at who else is sort of making pipes of a similar nature and what they charge. And, um, and I think it, you know, it's, it's down to sort of like trying to, um, build a reputation, et cetera. Uh, it's a slow process. So, well, you know, here's, I the... can get by on, I can get by on very little money at the moment. So it's, um, Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing that caught my the thing that caught my eye most on your website besides how beautiful the shaping and the colors are of the pipes and uh on your commission page it says I'm afraid I'm not currently taking new mm-hmm. commissions for yeah. pipes as my order books are full for at least the next year. So, um yeah. Yeah, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Now you just need to do it a little faster. Would be my um, advice, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I've, I sort of turned away commissions and I started to just sort of say to people, you know, if you let me know what you want, I'll call it a request. And if I make something like you might be looking for, I'll let you know. Um, but I've still got I've still got a list that I'm trying to work through 
um, but it, it takes a long time. And every now and again, I have to make something that I can just put up for sale because people also message and sort of say, you know, when when is something just going to come up for yeah. sale? So. Well, and that and a commission for a pipe maker like you who comes at it from the artist, the the shaping, the mm. coloring, the style point of view, that's got to be really mm. that's got to be really difficult because. You, no one it, no no one was sitting there it, telling monet hey go paint that you know um it was it's an interesting process trying to get into the head of the people that sort of request something but it was a long process and it was sort of taking its toll on me i think so i wanted to do something of my own um but at the same time if you just try and think what you want to do yourself. Sometimes your mind goes blank and you don't know what to do. So it's nice to have a list of requests to fall back on. Yeah. If, you know, if your imagination fails you. But <laughs> uh, I always think I've got things in my head that I would like to do, but I lack the skills to do it. I'm still learning. You know, it's, it's like when I first started, I thought I'll give myself a year and I'll call that my apprenticeship, but I think the apprenticeship just is a lifetime, really. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's nonstop. Every pipe, there's a new problem. Paul, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong okay. answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so, artist, pipe maker, what is your favorite pipe? Um, of... Well, it's got to be the Dirk Heinemann Dora. I'm, I'm looking at it now, actually. It's sort of perched on my little bookcase that I've made here <laughs> in my little shed. So it's got a special place. Yeah. And what is your and favorite? smoke like a dream. <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, one I keep going back to all the time is uh, Peretti Black Virginia. Mm. Uh, Cavendish with a bit of vanilla. A very easy all-day kind of smoke. Um, and I like a Balkan every now and again as well. But uh, the Black Virginia is one that I keep reordering. Wow. All right. You're a proper you're a proper Englishman. What is your favorite drink? Uh, it depends on the time of day. But I always look, to my, look forward to my uh, coffee in the morning. <laughs> you are... <laughs> boy, we're, we'll get along perfectly. Um <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music. It's got to be music. Any particular type of music? Oh, goodness me. Uh, melancholic, normally. Uh, it's, it's Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. All right. Like that. And then I'm going to change DJ up... DJ Harvey. I'm going to change <laughs> up the last question for you. Instead of a favorite pipe smoking related memory, I'm going to ask you football, rugby, or cricket? Skateboarding. Skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> Skateboarding or motorbikes. Uh, I, I, I was never really a team player, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, d I, don't, I don't watch football, cricket, or rugby. Wow. So. And you drink coffee. Mm -mm -mm. I, yeah. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> uh, do you still have a skateboard? Because you know. I'd, I'd love to see you <laughs> rolling down the sidewalk no, with I a. Just, no. 
<laughs> no, I don't. I've, I've thought, often thought about getting another one, but um, I snapped all four ligaments in my right leg riding oh. a motorbike, so I don't know if I could risk the skateboard now. Ooh. All right, on that note, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's pawpipes.com. Paul, it's been a pleasure getting to getting to chat with you, and uh, you know I'm going to keep an eye on your website. Yes. So, uh, thank, thank you, Brian. It's been fun. Cheers. Excellent. <laughs> and we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Do take some time. Check out everything that Paul's doing. And uh, let's see if we can get him to speed up a little bit, too. All right, for music, uh, it's been a while since we've played just some Albert King, you know, blues guitar player, pipe smoker, famous for standing on stage with his pipe hanging out of his mouth. Uh, this is from the 1973 album titled I Want to Get Funky, and the track is called I Want to Get Funky. Get down. I wanna get 
Seriously, what else do you have to say except Albert King? What's this? A letter for me. In the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine, just like Dino does every week. And going back to last week's show with Portland Paul, Dino says, a nice review of Old Dark Fired. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation with Paul. He seems a fun and energetic guy and a good storyteller. His questions were quite pertinent, and your responses were very insightful. I'll have to go back and listen. <laughs> Uh, Paul's tune with Cicero was really entertaining. Thanks for an always reliable and dependable show. See you in Chicago. I'll be at my usual post, the show registration table with Sue Bender. I hope listeners stop by and say hi. Yes, everybody go when you when you register and you get your you pay, you know, get your table stuff for your admission. Uh, Dino is um, Dino is not the Dino is not Sue and will be at the table. Uh, Dino's easily identifiable as the large guy and, uh, just, you know, feel free to call him Papuli. He'll love you. And then Casey ghost says a very enjoyable show. I thought Portland Paul was another guy from Portland who does a podcast, but it wasn't enjoyable interview. Nonetheless, good back and forth between you guys could have done without all the errs and us, but maybe I'm being grumpy. <laughs> It's rare, but it does happen. <laughs> uh, he had an excellent question. Uh, he had excellent questions for you to answer. Real good review of Old Dark Fired. It is a blend that I've enjoyed many times over the years. Uh, thank you, Casey Ghost. And uh, Hawkeye454 says, I enjoyed hearing his favorite memories being with Stephen Brooks. When I lived in Portland, I often made my way to Oregon City to do the same thing. I loved going to his shop and just listening to his stories. He was a good man. Rest in peace. I don't know if Portland Paul is on the forums. I assume he is. I just wanted to reach out to say that I really liked how he gave Times of Grace a shout out in one of his songs. Uh, as always, Brian, keep up the good work. And uh, thank you for being you. I love your voice, by the way. You sound almost identical to my father. So in a way, you are my distant father figure on the airwaves. Thanks for another awesome show. Um, well, son, let me tell you something. No, I'm kidding. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, Bryant writes, uh, Hi, Brian. I really liked your review of McBaron's HH Old Dark Fired. 
I love the fact that this blend is readily available, unlike the other excellent Burley blends I enjoy, Wessex Burley Slice, Samuel Gowith 1792 Flake, and Solani Aged Burley Flake. I know you said it's, it is technically an English blend, but I consider it a Burley. Okay. Uh, Portland Paul was another interesting addition to your fine Journeyman Piper series. He had a great story and a very laid-back, casual manner of speech that was very relaxing to listen to. The music by Cicero was also interesting, if not exactly my cup of tea. I'm anxious to hear Dino and Casey Ghost's take on it. <laughs> At least it was well done. Thanks for another great episode, and keep up the good work. Best regards, Bryant. I will, uh, I'll, I'll try my best for you. I will try my best. And then over on uh, Apple Podcasts, I got, I got to stop calling it iTunes because it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, Sun writes, uh, no, I'm sorry, Viking Matt 69 writes, a great show, five stars. There is something for all pipe enthusiasts on this podcast. Brian does a fantastic weekly show. I've picked up several good tips from him and his guests. Thank you very much. Remember those Apple Podcast ratings and reviews are absolutely wonderful and we do 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 greatly appreciate them a uh, couple more questions to get caught up on and this one comes from scott uh and scott says uh, brian continuing to enjoy old and new podcasts as i try to get all caught up the show really is a treasure thank you for keeping them all online they are being listened to yeah we know we see we see when you're yeah we see when you're listening uh, we don't know who you are, but we see it. And then he says, uh, while reviewing some bulk tobaccos, I noticed a couple offerings that state due to recent regulations, this blend is now only available as a pre-built blend kit. Uh, what regulations have caused this particular inconvenience? Well, Scott, here's the answer. Uh, the FDA, when they did their deeming regulations on uh, that included pipe tobacco, uh, they went back to a February of 2009 date, and some companies felt that some of their newer blends were not going to qualify and didn't want to go about the registration process. So what they did was they put them together as, uh, you know, here's the components that you can buy that did pre-exist, and you can mix it yourself. And that way they didn't have to go and register it or source the manufacturer and register it so now they're just giving you the components which are able to be sourced and then you mix it yourself um, if you're doing that my suggestion to you is mix them and then let them sit for at least a month so that they can marry all right and then uh, finally uh brian wilson writes good vibrations just kidding uh, hello, Brian. Just listened to the final episode of Country Squire Radio and loved hearing John, David, and Bo's comments about you and your influence on them. I wondered what are some of your favorite memories of them, whether on or off mic. Hope you're well, Brian. Um, boy, that's hard to say. The off mic ones, uh, you know what? I those they're off mic for a reason. But let's just say that we. Um, we bonded and formed a very open and uh, a very open and uh, cordial relationship after a somewhat little bit bumpy start. But once we got over that, you know, obviously we believe and I believe that, you know, the more you support each other, the better it is for everybody. Um, I guess really my, you know, on mic, 
uh, you know, obviously my favorite is uh, calling out Bo York for not knowing that there is a pipe smoking Ewok in Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi, which is now technically episode six, but came out as episode three and has the fantastic scene of uh, Princess Leia in the metal bikini. Um, but that, I guess on Mike, that would be my favorite. Yeah, that would be it. And then sharing the, you know, we did a couple of Christmas related shows together. That was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, that, that was it. Uh, and then getting to hang out with them a couple times. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, comments, questions again, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, Vegas pipe show questions, go to vegaspipeshow.com and uh, email them to me from there. And in just a moment, rant time. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool-smoking corncob pipes, colonial-area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. Are you looking for that rare or favorite tobacco? Are you wanting to sell those blends or pipes you no longer fancy? Then visit tinbits.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and begin your search. Browse our ever-changing selection of fine and elusive luxury tobaccos, pipes and smokers requisites, and bid on items in an exciting auction setting. Visit us at www.tinbids.com and sign up for free today. Tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. is going to be a bit of a rambling rant about the type of people we are as pipe smokers all right pipe smokers are not not the people that want to sit quietly by themselves alone with just their pipe and their thoughts all the time pipe smokers want to sit with their pipe and read pipe smokers want to sit with their pipe and watch tv pipe smokers want to sit with their pipe and enjoy music pipe smokers want to gather why do i have proof of that because as ben said it was great going to that event at the country squire why do i have proof of that because if you listen back to all most of the episodes of the pipes magazine radio show and i say what's your favorite pipe smoking related memory it's meeting some people going somewhere doing something with your pipe and other people if pipe smokers only ever wanted to sit and smoke their pipe alone and be with their thoughts all the time, there would be no pipe clubs. There wouldn't be no Chicago pipe show coming up. There would be no need for a pipe show at all because pipe smokers would just want to sit by themselves. If pipe smokers just wanted to sit by themselves and ponder the trees and, the, and, the, and watch the wind blow and smoke their pipe there'd be no need for podcasts there'd be no need for youtube channels there'd be no need for any books about pipes or how about this a pipe shop with rocking chairs in it 
and a place to sit and hang out. There'd be no need for any of that. Yes, we as pipe smokers enjoy our pipe sometimes just to unwind from the day, but but everybody that listens to this podcast, everyone in the pipe smoking hobby that reads a pipe smoking magazine or goes on YouTube and watches videos, they want that interaction with other people that are like-minded and enjoy their pipes. Therefore, we shouldn't all just sit and smoke our pipes by ourselves, and none of us do, because you're listening to me right now, and I was smoking my pipe during this show. So, there you go. All right, pipe smoking rambling rant. Stereotype of the pipe smoker sitting by himself. There, fine. All right. If that's the truth, then, you know, coffee drinkers. I like going to coffee shops and drinking coffee with other people. All right, I'm done. I I promise. Uh, Get off my high horse and get back to work. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I'm going to be recording with uh, Jeff Grasick and uh, Jeremy Reeves coming up. So if you have Ask the Pipe Maker or Ask the Tobacco Head Blender questions, email those to me. I'll be happy to get those recorded with them. And uh, thank you very much to Paul for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the this week's episode is dedicated to the memory of mike lancaster a sweet guy with a sweet smile and wish him sweet smokes